Washington. Well, my dad is Raleigh, Washington, and this church played a very significant role when he began his ministry down on the west side of the Austin community uh, many, many, many years ago, and you helped support and get that church launched. So I just want to thank you on behalf of, of him as well. Um, I'm reminded uh, about a situation that involved my family, and I see a lot of young people here today, so I'm not going to pick on you too bad, but I'm going to get you. Uh, in 2008, uh, I and my three children had an opportunity to be a part of the Chicago Lyric Opera's Porgy and Bess. Uh, my son, CJ, played the lead role uh, for a child, uh, Scipio, and my two daughters and myself played the role as supernunneries. Now, why is that important? Well, at the end of the day, we got paid. Uh, and CJ, having a more prominent role, had more money than his dad, so he made more money than I did in this particular vein. So, as all families often do, what are we going to do with the loot that we have? And so, I was scheduled to lead our university gospel choir at Trinity on a two-week trip to London, England. And my wife wanted to go to Disney World. Now, I don't know how it works in your particular families, okay? But 99.9% .9 of the time, if it comes down between me and mom, the kids pick mom. But this time, church, I thought I had them. London, England, toad in a hole, fish and chips, the London Eye, visiting castles. And so as we're driving home from our last performance, we're in our minivan, and I posed a question to my oldest daughter. Now, at the time, she was 17-year-old, and you know how thoughtful and kind and respectful 17-year-old <laughs> daughters can be when you ask them a question. And so here's the question I posed. Naomi, you know, Dad's going to England for a couple of weeks. Would you like to go with him, or do you want to go to Mom to Disney World, which you've been to a number of times already? Dad, you're crazy. I want to go with Mom. <laughs> Strike one. That's what a 17-year-old will do for you. Then I turn to my 15-year-old daughter. Her name is Kendra. And Kendra is the artsy one in the family. She always thinks before she speaks. Yeah, right. And so I posed a question to her. Kendra, Dad's going to London, England. Oh, my goodness, we can go to castles. We'll maybe meet the king and queen. You know, I had to little, throw a little butter on top of the toast again. Kendra, do you want to go with Dad or do you want to go with Mom? Dad, you're crazy. I'm going with mom. Strike two. Then church, broken, defeated, in a state of despair. My son, who was in the back of the van, I sheepishly said, CJ, son, dad's going to England. Really would love for at least one of you to come. Would you Come with me to England? Yes, Dad, I will come. Church, at that moment, I felt a light from heaven descending from the van. 
I felt a dove coming down, landing on my shoulder, saying, this is your son, your <laughs> beloved son. My son finally recognized the battle was between men and women. And he and I, as father and son, would rule the galaxy together. <laughs> out of this, I, then I had an out-of-body experience where I imagined just pushing a cart down Toys R Us, just throwing anything and everything in the cart that he wanted, and just smiling. I was so happy. Oh, I was so joyful. And then all of a sudden it ended, and I had my out-of-body experience, and I came back into my body, and then... I heard my young son say these words that I'll never forget. Dad, ask a silly question, get a silly answer. I'm going with mom. <laughs> I wanted to choke him two seconds from death. But I'm a Christian. I didn't do it. But sometimes we ask silly questions, don't we? Expecting that the answers will be something different. Well, folks, we serve an amazing, powerful, loving, caring, omnipotent, all-powerful God. We can ask him any question and know that he will provide the answers that we need. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the men and women and young people who are here today. Lord, I ask that my words would decrease and that your words would increase. Lord God, that as they hear these words from your holy work, that Lord, that they would be encouraged, that they would be motivated, that they would be strengthened to act upon them, to be moved by them, and to apply them to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I'm going to be talking about a man, but before I talk about this particular man, I'm going to be preaching out of the text, Luke 17, Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise 
and go. Your faith has made you well. Today, my focus will be on a man who was considered by the religious establishment of his day to be a flimflam man. A man who went from town to town announcing to be first, you have to be last. To live, you have to die. A man who went from city to city peddling living water rather than soda water. A man who went from village to village seeking to save the lost, but eventually he died on the cross. We find this so-called flim-flam man arriving at a village outside of Jerusalem. Now, Chile, the, the scripture makes no reference to the village's size, its population, its economic condition, nor its military importance. What is critical in this particular text is the geography of the village. It is on the border of Samaria and Galilee. Now, Jews and Samaritans had as much in common as a Cubs fan with a Cardinals fan. Can I get an amen? amen. Or IBC has with Dunlop. Samaritans and Jewish people could not stand one another. Actually, they hated each other passionately. See, the Jews were the full-blooded inhabitants of the land who had not intermarried with other cultures, kept the traditional laws of Moses, and adhered to the mandates of God. The Samaritans, however, were of part Jewish descent, who had intermarried and incorporated foreign beliefs within the Jewish doctrine system. For this reason, the Jews viewed the Samaritans as unclean people. In Luke 17, verse 12, Jesus encounters 10 lepers at a distance. Leprosy in the first century, in many ways, was comparable to AIDS in our present day. You see, leprosy had multiple meanings in Jewish and Samaritan society, which resulted in it having an effect on a person's physical, social, and most importantly, their spiritual condition. From a physical perspective, leprosy would attack the body in four hideous stages. Skin discoloration, dark blotches would invade your body. Second stage would be massive stores. A person's flesh would graft together. Fingers and toes would actually meld together. And finally, the eyes and ears and limbs would literally rot and fall off from a person's body. From a social perspective, these people were shunned by society and their families could not participate in religious services. These folks were forced from their homes, forced to live in a community of lepers, a community referred to and known as the walking dead. From a spiritual perspective, many believed that this ailment was a direct judgment of God upon you. And these people were called and labeled 
unclean. For this reason, they cried out to Jesus from a distance. Church, how many of us at times in our lives have found ourselves to be a great distance from God? God, where are you? God, I'm dealing with this impossible, complex situation, but I don't hear that you're with me. I'm here to tell you this morning, Chili. You're never too far from Jesus, and he's never too far from you if you recognize who he is and what he can do. In verse 14, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. What a dramatic act. The awesome supernatural power of God is witness. Jesus being consistent with the law of Moses. Remember, he came to confirm, not deny the laws. Go show yourselves to the priests. Why? Because once you went to the priests, the priests gave you your get out of jail card. You're free now to travel and be amongst society again. In verse 17, Jesus says, We're not all ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Verse 18, No one was found to give praise to God except this foreigner. Brothers and sisters, these men, from the mere words of Jesus, were cleansed. Their physical condition, we don't know how bad it was. Their reputations, their positions in society returned in an instant, but only one, only one person returned with the spirit of gratitude. Church, Jesus has done the same for us as he's done with the ten lepers. He's restored our lives by covering over the blotches of sin, healing the sores in our lives with his touch and giving us New eyes, new ears and hearts to respond to his leading. How many of us, though, have the mindset of the nine, quick to take for granted the dramatic act of grace God has bestowed in our lives? Or are we seeking to be the one leper, living to show an attitude of gratitude to Christ by living our lives in such a way that directs people to God's truth, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and God's love. Some of you may be asking, how can I live my life with an attitude of gratitude towards God? The passage provides three ways to respond. Demonstrating an attitude of gratitude. Verse 1, give God and God the glory alone. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Let me share something with you with my wife's consent and permission. This past October marked our 30th wedding anniversary. 30 years she's been married to me. Pray for her. 27 years ago, my wife and I traveled a great distance to a small town in Iowa called Orient. When I say small town, I'm only talking about a few hundred people. In the town resided her relatives, but most importantly, her grandmother. Now, if any of you have seen my son CJ, who's now 5'9", praise the Lord, the curse is broken, <laughs> you can tell that there's a lot of cream in the coffee. You see, my wife 
is of the lighter hue. She's white, and you guys have figured it out by now. I'm black. <laughs> the only black things in Orion, Iowa at the time were a few cats and a few dogs. Now, it was after the third visit that I noticed a set pattern of events would occur when I rode into town. A transformation of grandma's home occurred shortly after I arrived. The blinds would drop, boom. The curtains would be closed, boom. And for duration of my time there, I was under house arrest. I couldn't go out. I soon discovered that members of the family would refuse to visit because I was there. The family members who did were pleasant, but I knew they were uncomfortable. And quite honestly, church, I felt unclean. I could relate to some of the feelings of leprosy. See, in Grandma's kitchen was a collage of pictures of all the grandchildren who had married and begun their families, but our wedding picture, it wasn't there. It came to a point that I dreaded going there, feeling like a leper. The situation came to a dramatic head one evening at Grandma's table. At that table sat my wife and Grandma and me, and I could sense that Grandma was very, very uncomfortable, but she finally found the courage to say these words to me. Coffee, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this to you but I can't take you to church. I can't introduce you to my friends. I can't explain you to the people I know. You see, this is a small town. People don't adjust well to change here. The words that came to my mind, leper, unclean. Now, working in a college-university environment, I'm very quick on my feet. And I thought I was ready and able and prepared to respond. But as you can imagine, these words pierced me deeply. I was dumbfounded. I was utterly speechless. And after what seemed like an eternity of silence, God did a dramatic act that night. Early in the day, and that's why it's important to read your Bible consistently. I had read the book of Proverbs and found amusement in this particular verse, Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Chili, that verse kept playing over and over and over in my mind. Be quiet. There's nothing that you can say. There's nothing you should say. We spent some time in idle chatter, as awkward as it was, and as my wife and I went off to bed that evening, it was difficult for me to make eye contact with her. I could sense that she was in pain. And being a manly man, I waited until the lights went out, and I made sure that she was asleep. 
and the tears began to drop down my cheeks. I cried out to God from a distance. God, somehow, some way, you got to provide a solution. I felt an inability to pray effectively because I saw none. It was difficult for me to pray for Grandma. I knew there was nothing I could do to change or influence her opinion. Grandma was responding to the racism within her community. The following morning, folks, my wife and I gathered our belongings and said our goodbyes. We determined it would be best to pray and distance ourselves from the situation before making a decision about how to respond. But privately, hey, I had already made up my mind. I'm never, ever, ever, never, ever again going back to Orient, Iowa. A few weeks later, we received a letter in the mail from Grandma. I'll read a portion of that letter. I have your wedding picture on my fridge, and I feel good about that. I really wasn't trying to hide anything, but I wasn't being open enough either. Next time, Falter, bring your church clothes. I'm looking forward to June. Stay well. Love, Grandma. Folks, Jesus did a dramatic act. He removed the leprosy of sin that separated us. He proved by his power that he has control over a situation that I had perceived hopeless. I believe the Lord guided my response and grandma's opinions were transformed through conviction of our heart because I kept my mouth quiet and I let the Holy Spirit do its work. Some of you may believe, well, wow, what really happened? Well, it, this was not a superficial transformation. There was an immediate acceptance of me and the entire family. I began to receive the $10 customary holiday gift every family member receives. Now, you know when you get money from your in-laws, you're in. <laughs> the family reunion, which had been traditionally scheduled during Trinity's summer orientation, was changed so I could attend. Our family pictures were now displayed on the refrigerator. And for the first time, when I went back after this letter, my house arrest was over. I had a chance to travel around Orient, Iowa. <laughs> and when people saw me, my grandma would say, that's my grandson. And as people's mouths dropped in surprise, she smiled. Praise be to God. He did a seemingly above what I'd ever expected or imagined, and I have been grateful to God ever since. He reconciled my family. He restored Grandma back to us. He removed the leprosy uh, of racism. He didn't have to do what he did, but to show my gratitude, I strive to live my life pleasing the Lord. Folks, are you living your life in remembrance of where you used to be and where God has brought you today. Point two, give God the glory with enthusiastic passion. Verse 15 says, with a loud voice. Now, in 2006, I had the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. I didn't watch it. I went to it. 
What an exhilarating experience. Now, you may be surprised, but I lost my voice cheering for the Colts. It was the Colts versus the Bears. Now, the reason why I was cheering for the Colts, so let me say it before you stone me, is that my good best friend, Leslie Frazier, was the defensive back coach for the Colts. Now he's the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, so that's how I got the ticket. Folks, we had a chance to go to the Super Bowl pregame brunch. Let me tell you something. This was like looking at heaven materializing before me. They had about 50 cooks. I mean, they could cook lobster and shrimp and steak and pork chops and roast beef. Yes, I sinned sufficiently that day. I ate everything I can get my hands on. We had our own private transport to the Super Bowl game from Fort Lauderdale to Miami. And I remember just waving to people on the sides of the street because we had a police escort and all of 95 was cleared away. And then some of my friends were saying, don't stand up. They'll know you're not a football player. <laughs> Those haters. And finally, hey, we went to the Super Bowl of Super Bowl parties. Right there. I'm there with Peyton Manning and Richard Mathis and all those boys. And I have a picture right here of me holding the Super Bowl trophy. The owner's table was right next to mine. And my president and myself and I went over and said, I want to hold a Super Bowl trophy. So that's right there. Ooh, it's heavy. <laughs> Super Bowl trophy. Now, what's my point? To brag and tell you that I went to the Super Bowl? No. But it was fun. My point is that sometimes we can be enthusiastic and passionate about events that we consider important and be dispassionate about the things of God, such as the blessings he bestows upon us and the grace and love we can never repay. You know, think about that book or that movie, and you're describing it to someone, and you're doing it in such a way that that person looks at you and they say, where can I get that book? Or is that movie still playing? But sometimes when we talk about the Lord, we talk about him in a cerebral way. We don't talk about him in a way in which we want to have people pointed in that direction. We should be more passionate about God than the Super Bowl. We should be more passionate about God than a book. We should be more passionate about God than a movie. If we were, brothers and sisters, think about what this world would look like today. Are we in the category that one leper who showed his gratitude with passion? God has blessed this church with amazing gifts and talents and abilities to transform this world for Christ. Live your life striving to live in spirit and truth. A life of integrity and character and substance. Not living a life of flim flam. I know some of you may have forgotten what God has done for you. What Christ has delivered you from. Forgetting where we've been, which affects where we're going. Some of us may have one foot in the flim-flam world and the other with the Lord. 
My third and final point. Give God the glory with genuine humility. Verse 16, this man fell on his face. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I have a lot of stories to tell about college students. And some, I'll go to jail if I told you. But I do have one story I want to tell with uh, students' permission. I once knew a flim-flam man who told his parents his grades were B's, but in reality they were D's. This man presented to all his instructors and peers that his life was fluff, but in reality, church, it was puff. The flim-flam would announce, I can solve your problem so you can be cool, but people soon realized he was acting a fool. He received a letter from the academic dean. Your time is up, Mr. Flam. Your academic record has hit the fan. You dismiss, you sham. The flim-flam felt like a piece of spam. He sought out God, save me from this condition, knowing full well he felt no contrition. Flam went to youth camp preaching with fervor. Jesus Christ is real. He died for you and me. How can he do that, you ask? He was a flim-flam man, you see. A chill reached his soul. He knew he had dug a hole. Scheming and deceiving was his game. One night in the steel, he reflected on his life, which had produced great and terrible strife. He had been a flim-flam man all his life. Finally, he understood his life was no good. He had squandered it all away. The flim-flam decided one day to turn his life a different way. His days of playing were put at ease when he finally found Christ Jesus on his knees. He went back to school to get his degrees, bachelor's master, and even a Ph.D. His parents and wife were very pleased. How did he get that job done? Many would inquire. I remember that cheap guy when he was a low-down liar. However, people failed to see. Christ set the flim-flam man free, changed his life to the 10th degree. You see, I know this man, for this man is me. As I once was, some of you may be living a life of flim-flam, living a life which you know full well compromises what God has done for you. Jesus wants us to put those attributes of leprosy aside. Jesus, as he did for the ten, has done a dramatic act for us. He died on the cross, bearing our sins, leprosy, re reconciling us to God, giving his gift of eternal life to each and every one of us. Jesus has did this for the ten, and he's done this from a great distance. But I'm here to tell you, church, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you have done, you're never, never, ever too far from Jesus if you recognize who he is and what he can do. Jesus by no means was a flim-flam man, nor does he want us living a life of flim-flam. Give, give God the glory and God alone. 
demonstrate an attitude of gratitude in how you live your life and keep your hope and trust squarely in him. Christ died for you and me, for us to live life abundantly. We serve an amazing, amazing God. I want you to see this video and to see if you're amazed by the God in whom we serve. Then I'll come up and close.
We serve an amazing God who's given us an opportunity to live amazing lives. Let's be the men and women, children that God has called us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for this church. May you continue to strengthen and guide and prepare them to be an impact for this community and for this world. Lord God, as the worship team comes back, let us, Lord, hold short accounts with you and with one another. Thank you, Lord, for being amazing, dying and taking our place on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for not being a flim-flam man, but being God and Lord over the universe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.